Yes, sir. Okay. So, so the presentation is thought, uh, titled uh, Cross-Industry and Cross-Sector Interlocks, and it's a work in progress. So um, it has, in fact, two components. Uh, let's say, of course, we start with the theory component. We want to prove something. We want to know something. So what I was especially looking at was like these cross-industry and cross-sector interlocks, what's the impact on strategic decisions in non-profit organizations, because non-profit organizations is really my field where I try to uh, get more knowledge in. But while studying these issues and developing hypotheses, I encountered some methodologic, methodological uh, issues, and I was also thinking of oh, maybe some new parameters might be useful to study uh, interlocking directorates especially with the research questions I have. So um, just to frame the whole thing, my PhD is really about good governance and good management in non-profit organizations. So I'm looking at the uh, influencing factors and the determinants who that determine, in fact, good governance and uh, good management practices in non-profit organizations and how good governance and management practices influence uh, effective outcomes of non-profit organizations. So a part of it, I'm looking at networks, and the reason is uh, the nonprofit sector, let's say, is <coughs> characterized by two major uh, things. The first is it's, uh, it's the nonprofit sector, so it's defined by what it does not do, so it doesn't make profit. So anything else that an organization can do, it's in that sector. So is it, if it doesn't aim making money, it's doing something else, so it's the nonprofit. So the result is it's a very, very, very heterogeneous group of organizations. You have youth, movement, youth, youth movements in there, you have uh, hospitals, but you have also Greenpeace in there, so it's very, very heterogeneous. So a consequence is it's very, very difficult to have uh, something like standard procedures, standard outcomes, how can we compare them? So that's the first thing, where networks become important. Uh, in these um, uh, kind of situations, um, when it's... Uh, it's very important that they are controlled by their environment. It's also what you said. So the control of environment case by case is very important. So that's the first thing where networks become very important for non-profit organizations. And the second thing is also, so it's not profit they are making, but they are, so these, these goals they have, very often they have multiple goals and they're very intangible, very difficult to measure. Um, so what F, well, it's just a human thing if it's very difficult to measure the outcome. You look at the methods and the, the actions taken to get to these outcomes. So there's much more uh, attention for the practices instead of the outcomes. So people will rather look like, okay, what they have been doing, it was the right way to do so, and probably it will lead to the right thing. Another thing is also like, uh, that's also what you said, uh, a non-profit organization seldom is able to get his goals alone. If I want to, if I'm working for the reduction of poverty, I will not do it alone with my organization. It's always part of a, a bigger group of organizations all collaborating. So that's why, according to me, networks are especially important for, for non-profit organizations. So when I was uh, wondering about this, I decided, okay, let's compose uh, a sample. It's in fact the population. So what I looked, I took all large non-profit organizations. So large, it's a uh, legal status if you're larger than a certain amount of people or when you have a certain amount of turnover. Uh, I, I took them all, so it was about 1,000, and the largest connect, connected component was already 900 organizations. And I wanted to look, is it a small world regarding uh, interlocking directorates? Because especially when it's a small world, control will be higher. They will control each other, and also good practices might flow through the network. So that was the idea. Um, 
So that was what I was looking at. A lot of small world analysis, especially interlocking directed, they just look at the network from a whole. So they look, it's clustering high or part, le part length short, so it's a small world. But because it's such a heterogeneous group, I also wanted to look at organization characteristics between particular organizations. The flow might be stronger or less stronger. So I also wanted to know that. So and yesterday we saw it's cool to start with some conclusions. So what I uh, <laughs> what I found in that <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, a Facebook fan club starting. <laughs> it's, uh, so what I found with that analysis um, was like. With a similar kind of result, uh, to be honest, other small world analysis uh, or contributions would just say it's a small world. Very often you find very, very high clustering and part length, not as short as you would expect, but just let's say it's a small world, get it published. To be honest, it's not true. And I guess a lot of uh, interlocking directed networks are officially not uh, small worlds because the part lengths are still not as short as you would expect. So what I found, in fact, it's not a small world in itself because it's so heterogeneous, but it's a set of loosely coupled small worlds. So then I also looked at uh, so the, the organizational characteristics. So we looked at funding structure. We had about 10 variables to operationalize uh, funding structure. So the, the debt ratio, how many commercial income they have, how many funding they have, how many uh, you know, even legacies they have, all these kind of things. And we, so we looked at the activities they perform, uh, the funding structure, and also the size. And what we in fact see is you have these groups, very strongly clustered, very homogeneous organizations, <coughs> and you can call them really like islands, and there are very few bridges between those islands. And so the basic idea was what's the control and what's the, the, the potential of flow of information. It has a big impact because particular information, very industry specific, very organization specific, it will flow and the control will be very strong between similar organizations, even incestuous even like everyone knows everyone there's even no outside outside control anymore which is even not democratic maybe anymore but really like general ideas how to improve the nonprofit sector very difficult and very dependent on these few interlocks between these uh, very homogeneous islands so of course when I talk about this I say okay industry is a very important boundary size uh, funding structure so what about sector boundaries? Is it something I found within the nonprofit sector? Is it because, in fact, it's industries that determine it? Sorry, sorry. No problem. So give, give all my greetings. <laughs> so um, the thing is, my sample or my population was only nonprofits. And maybe I found this because it's more inherent to industries instead of... So I had to, in fact, broaden my uh, sample or my population. And also had to look at... Uh, Profit organizations, whether there would be some spillover. But by doing it, I can also, let's say, tackle some. Uh, no, it's still my previous one. Uh, some other, no, some other things like there's the whole discussion like the spillover between profit and non-profit organizations. Uh, more and more profit uh, non-profit organizations, they are really pushed to be more professionalized, to have more of these business-like approaches. But we also see in the profit sector that they're more and more talking about you shouldn't only measure your profit but also the environment and you should take care of your stakeholders and you should also look at your personnel and be more corporate. So there is a, some spillover. If we study cross-sector and cross-industry interlocks, we can also have a look at that. And also something uh, René already was talking about, you have these mixed markets, so markets where both profit and non-profits are operating, for example, education, for example, healthcare. 
So what is in fact, uh, so a lot of this literature is talking about the similarities, but also about the dissimilarities. We can see whether these similarities and dissimilarities are also, uh, let's say, represented in the port structure. So by broadening my uh, sample, I can also. So when looking at uh, contributions on small worlds, I think there are, let's say, three big streams. Maybe if there are more, I'm, I'm really pleased to, he to hear about it. So a lot of uh, contributions I found, it's a paper-based, uh, so they use a method based on uh, watson Strogat. So what you normally do, if this is the two-mode network, so you have uh, boards, and in the boards there are directors, some more interlocks. Uh, what they do, they, they take the two derived networks, so one network, it's a social network, people know each other when they're in the same board, and they also make another derived network, this sort of really interlock board ends. And for both of the derived networks, they just do regular small world analysis, have some reference values, the actual values compare them. Uh, that's what Watson Strogatz do. Conin and Muldoon, in fact, go a bit further. They say, okay, they, they also discuss the two derived networks, but they say we should uh, account for the degree of both organizations and of uh, directors. They even claim it's a scale-free network, and that's important. And so it, they just say account for it. Well, then, Robbins and Alexander, it's more linked to the PNET approach, where they just take the, the two-mode network and the two-derived measure, I calculate and you know, count some configurations, and then see whether the count of these configurations is more likely based on the, the, the distribution generated. So, in fact, all the differences between these three methods, well, a lot of have uh, commonalities, like okay, they, they propose some reference values based on theory, uh, some provide, let's say, uh, like a distribution, uh, Robbins and Alexander. It's about the assumptions behind the reference values. That's really important. But none of them, in fact, introduces uh, the concept of homogeneity or similarity really in the analysis of small worlds. Has it an impact on the information that can flow? So, um, so I call it methodolo metal methodological issues I had. Just until the moment I said, okay, I'm going to uh, do something. So it became challenges. So what I, in fact, do, I'll try to combine in my analysis the good things of all three methods. So I'll, let's say I start really from Robbins and Alexander because I believe that's the most advanced. So as I already said, they take some configurations, even much more than this. Uh, so you have the two stars, the three stars, and then in the derived networks, clustering kind of things and the path links, and also what Mark was discussing yesterday, clustering in an affiliation network. It's the four cycles, these kind of things. So they do... Um, random generation, so they really switch randomly links in the affiliation network. Every thousand uh, networks, they, they pick one, calculate all configurations again. I guess you all know about that, and then based on uh, statistics, discuss the extremeness. So what I just do, I take this basic idea, but I add even more configurations, according to me, important to measure when you want to make conclusions. Uh, and also, uh, let's say, try the new simulation procedure uh, based on what Konyan and Muldoon said, you should account for the distribution, the degree distribution, just like testing, is it going to give different results? So that's, let's say, uh, the basic uh, idea. And this is just uh, yeah, the case I'm discussing, but I already want to put this picture in there. So this is the network infrastructure, only puts organizations and directors in there, uh, with directors having at least two... Uh, positions in a board, so all the isolates are kept out just to keep it, uh, but this is just the network as it is, um, so we have profit boards, non-profit boards, and you already see like 
strange configurations, especially this one, I guess it's very prominent. Uh, it's yeah, two boards, I looked, uh, so I looked back in the data yesterday evening. The one is the university, the other is uh, the hospital linked to it. Office, officially two different organizations, but definitely the same strategy. Some people were still in this board, but in no other board, uh, as you can see. But this is like for the method of Romans, of, of all methods, generating awfully a lot of two and three stars. It's, it's just crazy. Uh, a lot uh, multiple linking, uh, like four circles, it's also a lot. And what it in fact says, it's like it's a very strong strategic link between these two organizations. You can even argue it's the same one. It's like, so you, have, you, you see it somewhere, uh, it's a different, different place. But another thing, generating a lot of two stars, three stars, it's for example this configuration where you have three directors who are in six same boards. But if you just look at that, it's like imagine every board meets 10 times a year in six boards. So these guys, they meet every week. Very good friends, I guess, or not. It's, uh, it's, we all know that it's happening, but normal small world analysis would just say clustering is high, uh, path lengths are short, so this is an advantages or everyone is responsible for the structure, but it's not. It's just some very certain configurations. So that's why I really argue we should put much more configurations and uh, different kind of simulations in the small world analysis. So what I did, this is really like uh, maybe all very easy for you, but I really was thinking a lot about it. Uh, so what I did is, of course, this is also what Mark discussed. This is clustering in a, in a two-mode network. And uh, what Robbins and Alexander do, they really like uh, measure the, the amount of force cycles compared to how many tree pots you have. Really like the, the transitive concept in a single. But it doesn't seem much. It can be like three persons in six boards together. Like something, it says more something about the person. Well, you can also have these two organizations <coughs> with about 10 interlocks in between them. It's more a strategic link. So I guess it's important to introduce two new. Uh, this is more talking about strategic link between organizations and this is more talking like uh, a pact between people being in the same boards. This is really about the old boys network controlling a lot of organizations. And also you can measure two stars, three stars, you can go to awfully a lot of stars. Uh, by just taking these uh, indexes, it's like uh, the three stars divided by the two stars. Uh, we all know this formula, the, the, the more the degree, the more it generates. And often. So by just taking this, you can see, is, is there really a lot of people, like, is it a few people generating a lot of stars, or is it many people dispersed generate? It's just an, to get an idea, to get these. And the same with this, if I divide that by that. It's also more, it's, is it just one or two strong strategic links in my network, or is it just dispersed all over the network? Again, to know whether information and the advantages will be for any organization or any person, or just is it one or two like crazy linkers or something. So, another thing, I also look at the similarity analysis. I guess I already mentioned, so two examples, this much more similar. Also, it has a big impact here. Information will probably go around on the orange kind of things and hear about the, the, the purple ones. Well, here information might go around, but it's, it's going to be of a different type. So that's just why I included it. And I used the more an I and the Gary C statistics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so these are just the two statistics. What I also did and maybe introduced, so this is normally the adjacency matrix. Uh, just when there is a link, it's one. When there is no link. But I, I changed it 
few times, like for example, I took only the links between profit organizations, I only took the links between non-profit, between profit and non-profit, so I could see whether uh, yeah, pro, uh, sector interlocks or within sector, whether they in fact differ regarding similarity, what's the particular impact of a within sector or a cross sector or within industry or across industry, just to see are there major differences. So that's what I did with these. And then the procedure, what Robbins and Alexander do, and I guess there's a lot of discussion possible about this, it's uh, they just take the affiliation network and they switch randomly some links. Um, it's not like ERGM models, where you, I cannot use the word controlled, uh, Zach told me yesterday, but it's like you rather control for different kind of configuration. Here they just change it and they measure all at the same time. So the advantages are you can take general network statistics, like how many components I have, but you can also take even very node specific uh, uh, characteristics in the simulation method. Um, I, I guess. It's a large discussion. If you want to know more about it, it's maybe better to read the paper. Uh, and what I also introduced, it's a new um, simulation procedure where I always kept the degree uh, stable. So if I have a person A, uh, no, an organization A having board member P, and uh, it's a link, and an organization B with person Q, I just switch them. So degree stays the same, but the the choice of uh, the choose of the organization is different. That's um, so. That was about the simulation procedure. I called it A and simulation procedure B, depending on uh, keeping it. So the case example, you already saw the picture. It's uh, I just took the Belgian healthcare network. I could also have taken education or so, of, or just associations or whatever. Uh, all data is available. So I selected them based on the NASI code. I don't know whether that's familiar concept, but any organization that does some activities like. They really have to look, okay, these are activities that are healthcare activities, so I have to report a NASI code in healthcare, but also it can be education. So the, the, the advantages an organization can be in different, can have different NASI codes, so they can be in different industries. For a regression, it's difficult to use because it's not a dummy variable anymore, but I just use it as a selection criteria. And also the FTE had to be larger than 20, and the reason is, for these organizations in Belgium, in Belgium, we have they have to make something like a social personnel statement. So we have really like how much does the manager owns and these kinds. So I can derive much more uh, personnel statistics. Then. So the population is uh, 258 organizations, uh, a lot of directors, and the infrastructure. So that's only taking those organizations and directors into account, where the with the directors of with two links. And of course, there is already a bias. I cannot make any conclusions anymore on the healthcare sector. That's in fact the first finding. It's something like it's only small groups of organizations or networks. So that's something I have to look at. Um, so, what are the major results? It's not uh, my previous results were like it's a loosely coupled small world. Here, it's literally a scattered small world. So, you have a lot of components, much more components than what you would expect by random generation. But these components, they are really strongly small world. So that's the first thing. Within industries, within sector, in fact, if it's a lot of components, small ones, but very strong. Uh, that's also, uh, so the clustering is high. Part lengths within these uh, small words are short, but of course there's no link whatsoever between the components. Um, and uh, of course, a lot of isolates. So the next thing I have to do is whether there are big differences between isolates and uh, linked organizations. 
And I also found, and I guess it's, uh, according to me, it was a bit strange that clustering is stronger for profit organizations. I always expected that it would be stronger in non-profit because everyone knows everyone. Uh, there's a large, it's really big homogeneity. You saw it also in the picture, all clusters were non-profit, all clusters were non-profit. But well, I have to find out more about this. And the second thing is, um, so with the, the hub indices I had, so you see that organizations are really strong hubs. You have few organizations with a lot of networkers and a lot of organizations with just one or two networkers, while personal hubs, people in being a lot of, it's more dispersed. Most of the time people have two, three links, but you don't find that much people with 10 or 20 links. So it's organizations are really the hubs. So also from a policy point of view, if you want to introduce new ideas, go to the boards, don't go to the people, I guess. That's it. And also uh, similarity for the moment, I only tested size. I could also test funding structure, but there is uh, again, a large similarity behavior. And I guess the impact there or the reason there is especially uh, a board looking for a new director. They will just look at the most similar organization and also someone who is in a board of a large hospital will choose to go in a board of another large hospital because he knows how to win it. So it's from both sides, both from the organization as from the individual, something like a similarity behavior. And that's why probably it's a strong indicator. So uh, any questions, remarks, uh, insults, all very welcome. <laughs> something or there's a good opportunity in the one world, he really has still to translate it and bring it into the agenda. While you have yeah, 10 interlocks, probably uh, the board meetings are even yeah, the same. Yeah. So it's, I, is it strategic or is it very strong? Maybe I should choose my words, but if it's only one, I, I wouldn't say that the second is redundant, not at all. It's just, there are even two paths for making linkages. And one is still, still can be coincidence, but two, three and 10, then you know the information from one board will definitely go to the other board. So that's uh, my feeling. But, but I guess one, it's, it still can be good. Yeah, I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I like the board interlock approach for some things, but and I'll, let me temper my remarks because this is based on my experience with American nonprofits. And I've been coached recently that there are oftentimes significant differences between the US <laughs> and Europe. Uh, uh, that's good. Uh, I've been well reminded of that. Uh, anyway, uh, my own experience 
with American nonprofits is that a lot of times the connections between nonprofits occur. Uh, for instance, I've, I've worked on a board for six years as board president of the board of directors, mm -hmm. and I had many connections with other nonprofits with senior staff. Um, and and I know that our senior that our the director of our, our executive director of our organization depended on senior staff in his organization to connect with other organizations because in large part, and this may explain the discrepancy between the profit sector and the nonprofit sector, nonprofit sector is stressed for resources always. And so, you know, Larry would depend on his senior staff to connect with half the organizations out there uh, so that he didn't have to because he was too busy. Uh, so, and the reason this concerns me is that, you know, your, your end result here is that what we're seeing is scattered small worlds. And I'm not, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm wondering if that's truly the case, if, if we're really thinking carefully about what are the connections between nonprofits. So you also mean that there might be like uh, just some social network events between the, the, the managers, these kind of things? Uh, uh, not even, no, not even social network events. I mean, any professional, effect, professional uh, all yeah. sorts of professional yeah, that's, uh, that's situations, uh, uh, stuff with government, etc. So my, my qualitative experience is such that it would tell me that the nonprofit world is not fragmented, uh, is deeply interconnected in, in sort of the way that you've talked about, uh, and that relying on board interlocks uh, may may not be the best measure to, yeah. to give you a picture. And I, I don't mean to... Yeah, no, I, I, it's saying. definitely true. I, the, the one thing is I, I'm definitely aware of the fact it's a proxy for rocks. Uh, the advantages, it's really like, let's say, it's a network that's there. These people really meet, let's say, every month. And it's not just going to a bar and talk about their vacation. They really talk about, indeed, governance things, management things. So it's, I, I'm aware of the fact that definitely uh, the executive manager also might have a large network and have a lot of impact. And even a lot of these directors might be only one board, but have a, a full job in, in a non-profit organization somewhere else. So I know there might definitely, like, there's going to be some, maybe some stronger spill. I know it's a proxy. I know yeah. it is. And maybe I shouldn't say like governance practices and management practices in general, but let's say that more you know, the good way of behaving in board meetings. So maybe I should also limit it. I know it's a proxy. It's yeah. also a convenient yeah. sample. We just, you know, this is yeah, no, it's, it's huge, right? Yeah. So, so you can really yeah. get lots of data, but I just, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if that's, if that's, the, if we're thinking about what are the links between nonprofit organizations. Yeah. And it's I, yeah, not a sufficient I'm, proxy. Then. Yeah, so it's just a question. From venue on that, because I think it is quite important uh, about what you are saying is, is thinking in terms what is the the meaning of uh, a link at the board level, because a link at the board level relative to a link of uh, somebody in your organization who is doing things together yep. is as it has to do with the shared interests versus the conflicting interests. So if you have a link at the board level, the full information about the strategy of the two organizations is open to one another. Yep. And that means that there is no competition between the two organizations. That is, you, uh, there is no competition possible anymore at the strategic level. Yeah. Whereas there can be quite a lot of collaboration 
at all kinds of partial if, uh, events in which you are collaborating, while at the global level uh, or at the organizational policy level you are still competing, but you have a certain interest yeah, in, in certain. So it, you should think, I think, much more in in interpreting your results in what what is the exact meaning of a board level connection yeah. relative to other That's the suggestion. But it was a wonderful presentation. So I have a series of different issues with different things. Um, the first of which is I don't really understand why you're interested in clustering. Um, the small worlds approach was a simulation approach. It was not really meant to be a real-world model. So I'm curious why you're not starting from, say, Ron Burt or um, Fernand and Goldez, who do... Ron Burt does structural holes and only the gaps, and I don't know if I'd really incline you that way, but, um, I mean, one of the interesting things here would be brokerage, right? And so there's a whole typology and discussion of how people interact between different groups. Um, Golden Fernandez is kind of the standard site there. And that kind of seems like the literature that would be more the place to start um, for a lot of theories and stuff on this. And then methodologically, you used um, Morin's Eye, which is a spatial statistic which assumes a type of grid structure, which seems a little inappropriate. It seems like it'd be more natural to use just standard graph correlation to see if the two um, networks are similar or not. And then there's kind of standard um, tests for that. I don't fully understand the last one. So. The one about Morin's eye, or? What's, what, why, why is it wrong to use it here? I, I know it's some other social studies that also <coughs> use it, so. I so I, I don't know of any, I, I mean, so there is there is a very nice relationship between the spatial statistics literature and the uh, um, graph statistics literature, but the spatial statistics have certain assumptions built on them because of the way in which um, they were used, right? So the example, right, is the spatial statistics assume a grid structure. So they assume literally that the connections go like this, 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 right, in a grid. Yeah, that's true, but, but the formula so just says when there is a one, there is a link. And you just look, is this, the right, continuous variable closer you, to each other when there is a link? And when it'll it's give you a type of correlation, but it won't. I, I'm saying there's more direct, anyways, there's things that seem more appropriate. Um, that are okay. at least a little more standard, I would say, oh. in the social network field. Oh. Um, that would probably be used instead of the spatial statistic analogs. Oh. Okay, but just about previous two comments, I really understand or I really acknowledge that uh, BERT and these kind of things are also very interesting, but I just guess you're proving something else. Or you want to see, for example, what's the role of one organization or one person, or how dependent is the network no, of uh, these particular are people. But these are structural arguments, right? So Ron Burt's argument is that um, you want to fill the structural holes. So if you've got some sort of space and you've got these two groups, then you want to be in between them. And then you've got, but I was more, I think the Golden Fernandez brokerage is the more kind of natural thing who's in between the two groups and then 
Yeah. Like, I can yeah. also have a look at it, but I still, yeah. I just want to see whether the network might be a vehicle for <coughs> the dispersion of information and practices. So maybe indeed, if I want to manage but the network, what would why be the best? Why don't you look at diffusion models, if that's your discussion? I mean, there's a lot of different models for looking at how information passes between them. I mean, clustering is kind of a, how do I want to say this, a very brutal tool to throw against things. And it's not clear immediately what you get from it. Um, it's a very blunt tool, I guess. But it's not only clustering, it's clustering, part lengths, components. Uh, altogether, you interpret it just to see, it's just like, if the picture gets too big to put on a slide, you have to use yeah, these things. These sure, things. I mean, there's very, I mean, you could do block models or something to collapse the networks, which is sort of the way you're leading. But okay. I mean, either way, I, I just, I, I'm generally not a huge fan of the clustering techniques. And I mean, everything, if you break it up, at some level, it's to be a small world, right? I mean, it's okay. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'll uh, uh, anyways, I'll just things I would. Uh, it's just uh, very uh, funny in some way. So yeah, I, I uh, handed this in, and uh, I was talking about Bert, and the, the reviewer said, "Just focus on the small world and the similarity, because <laughs> <laughs> other analysis." But of well, so I, I'm not going to predict what the reviewer is. <laughs> It's, it's, it's interesting that I, I, the more I look at it, it's something else you try to do. So if you get the, um, there's a whole literature on um, uniform graph tests, starting with the man and other type statistics for holding things like degree or density or okay, whatever fixed, and then testing for certain properties. Yeah. And I mean, these are all in software and stuff, they're very yeah. easily. I'm used. gonna give a last short remark to Diane, and then we, Need a short coffee break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I just I would like to know a little bit more about why actually these nonprofit organizations engage in uh, interlocks because I understand that they are in fact very, very competitive given oh. the resource uh, shortage of resource allocation they often face. So there's not a lot that I understand about your study that goes to the actual meaning of the interlock. Don't know what it is you're trying to tap into. I mean, you don't have a definition in terms of different substantive bases for the interlocks. It seems, um, and clearly distinguishing that from the private sector, where interlocking partnerships maybe is just very strategic in their nature. So we understand. So what's the reason why people yeah, get interlocked? Yeah. First of all, what is the basis of the interlocks? Secondly, you know that, of course, there are many instances where um, particularly nonprofit organizations will be brought together by some kind of external actor, probably a public organization. Again, they need to collaborate in order to, to draw down the resources if it's a social policy initiative of some sort. How much of that is going on here in your, yep. in your network? Um, and thirdly, um, given what you said about the exchange of staff, people from one organization to these incestuous relationships. I mean, how much do people need to have interlocks? If that's how it actually materializes over a number of years, how much do you really need to um, you know, have people on board if they're really just swapping staff? No. And if you have this network data over time, 
and you pass some information to the person that makes you can such a, even a sample of your network, you can select and take it and see if it works. Uh, yeah, that's, again, the first issue, I can see that uh, the interviews I did, <laughs> very often it's also just, uh, for these organizations, values and beliefs and the mission is also something very important. So that's why I guess you have really clusters within the nonprofit, very strong ones, because they really look like people who are, have the right skills, but also have the right values. And so this kind of trusting, I guess, is much stronger. It's not only about, it's also they do it on a voluntary basis. So it's really like this person must some way like you know, subscribing our values. And also uh, what a lot of people said who are in three or four parts, it's really like uh, they just knew me already and you know I wouldn't say no because I'm a part of this sector. So I guess it's really uh, because they know each other from other relationships and it's more let's say for informal relationships that get formalized by joining into boards. Uh, it's, it's really like we are the sector, we have common values so that's why we help each other out all the time. So that's then there's no competition. There's no. There's quite, I mean, because they are very competitive. They are competitive, competitive but competitive. maybe that's indeed what uh, what Franz was saying. That it's really like it's probably the strategic linkages. I really like this is an organization. We are just fighting for the same goal: a rejection of poverty. But uh, we try to be two different organizations to get more funding or something. No, my experience of, of, of interviewing these organizations is that they can often be working on the same area, um, you know, very closely, maybe looking at uh, whatever it is, whatever the issue is, um, and they will not cooperate. They will co compete against each other strategically, you know. But isn't there so um, um, a difference between values there or something between these organizations? No. It's, it's kind of like pop bandy like. So oftentimes there's very cooperative relationships going on between <coughs> nonprofits of similar aims. So I worked in the energy world, uh, green electricity, and so we would uh, or and we helped uh, people with oil assistance and heating assistance. Uh, those were our two goals. And oftentimes we would be working with other nonprofit organizations in an extraordinarily cooperative way. And then. Similarly, though, just as Diane's explaining, less often, but we would be competing against certain other kinds of nonprofits who were, you know, working competing for the same stimulus money. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's a it's a bit complex because uh, sometimes there's extraordinarily cooperative relationships going on. I'd say that's happening the majority of the time, say 60 to 80 percent of the time. Uh, but then a smaller minority of time, there is co competition, that just as Diane's explaining it, and it's very real. Yeah. Uh, and you're you're both like dogs in the dog yard, scrapping for the same bowl of food. So you you would expect much less links within them. Um, I don't really know what I don't. I, frankly, I don't know whether you no. should have. I mean, if you look at that, I mean, it's not a literature I've read a lot in, but if you look at the private sector, the links seem to be formed on, on because there is such competition that they build. A link to be strategically aware of the other, sure. and so um, you know you have an opportunity to collaborate, but but uh, you know you build in the link so that you can watch each other, so that you can control each other. And um, so, for example, recently I came across this in the, in the non-profit sector where there was a non-profit budget and there was they, there was a pocket of money for dealing with the homeless. And there are three or four organisations. Some deal with young homeless. Some deal with you know the. I don't know, the disabled and these different, other set up more recently to do with the migrant groups arriving in Ireland and so on. 
So they're all sharing the same pocket of money, but as you suggest, they've differentiated themselves. And some, you know, so so the question is, you know, uh, when there's an external activity, you know, there's some kind of opportunity for drawing down funding, then it's a dogfight between them. So that's a reason where they don't, where they don't need, they don't have any incentive. To what I observed in the childcare sector in Holland is that the collaboration focuses on the size of the pie. And then, of course, there's strong competition about distribution of, of, of the pie, but they need to collaborate in the, in the public sector because it affects the size of the pie. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I, and the two mechanisms do not always. I think let's uh, let's continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much.